Good morning. There we go. I'm there. Good to see you. Hello, Chipper. Where's Chipper? There. Ah, I've only met her online. <laughs> it's so exciting to see her in the real. <laughs> I want to take you back to the 1840s. 1840. Industrial revolution has happened. Candlelight. London, and that's where I'm taking you at the moment, was a sooty, disgusting, dirty place. The Thames was full of, of sewerage. The streets were dirty. It was gross. Paris wasn't much better. Paris had these medieval, tiny little alleyways. Cholera killed 19,000 Parisians in one year. In that context, in London, in 1843, a man by the name of Charles Dickens wrote a book called The Christmas Story. The main character of that book is Scrooge. You can see him there. I love how one commentator described him. He was a squeezing, wrenching, grasping, scraping, clutching, covetous old sinner. I'll say that again. Own it. Squeezing, wrenching, grasping, scraping, clutching, covetous old sinner. On Christmas Eve, in the book, he's confronted by himself. He's confronted by who he is and what's going to end up happening to him. He is devastated. He repents, and the next morning, Christmas Day, he is a changed man. He's kind, he's generous, he's compassionate, totally different man. Three years later, in 1847, the Roman Catholic Church commissioned a man by the name of Placide Capot de Roquemont to write a Christmas carol. Interestingly, he was an atheist. So it's understood he looked in the Bible as this nice textbook and he scoured the Gospels and he wrote the song we sang to get today, O Holy Night. The, the music was created by a Jewish man by the name of Adolf Charles Adams. Soon after it was published, the church decided, nah. They changed their minds. It was popular, but they changed their minds, and they said it's unfit for church services because of its lack of musical taste and absence of the spirit of religion. So they canned it. Fortunately for us, a man by the name of John Sullivan Dwight, he's an American, a couple of years later, translated it into English and made it famous in the USA. What's of even more interest is this man was a universalist. What does that mean? He believes everyone's going to get saved. You know, it doesn't matter who you are, what you do, 
You're all, when there's no such thing as hell, come on, we're all going to heaven, tra-la-la. Carol gained popularity, and it's, it's quite a lovely, it's got all sorts of um, myths to it, but one of them, which I think there's a fair amount of truth to, is that a French soldier started singing it on Christmas Eve when he was in the trenches. And all the English and all the French and all the Belgians, all the people on this side started singing it. The Germans joined in, and they all met on the battlefield, hugged each other, wished each other a Merry Christmas, and played soccer. Isn't that beautiful? Next day, war continued. So why, Lainey, excuse me, uh, Lainey, Lainey, you're in church. <laughs> Have you noticed? <laughs> this is supposed to be a preach. Glendon's getting very worried. Should he remove me right now? What do they have in common? And what is the purpose of them for us today? And what can we learn from these two epic pieces of writing? Well, obviously, the big one is it's Christmas. One's a Christmas carol, happens on Christmas Eve, and the other is a Christmas carol that we sing today and we sung today. What are your expectations for Christmas? I think every single one of us has a hope that it will bring some relief, some joy. A rest, perhaps, is what you just need. A break from the humdrum of busy life. Maybe you need to receive a few gifts or want to give some gifts. Maybe, like me, you're looking forward to Christmas cake with no icing. <laughs> or maybe you're looking at your financial status or you're looking at your family or you're looking at the political shenanigans going on, or you're looking at load shedding. I've just heard it's been suspended today, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> or you're looking at all that and you're thinking, surely, surely we can have a break from all this. Sad to say, that joy will be very short-lived. It will not heal the brokenness that you find inside of yourself anguish, the stress, the worry. It won't solve your problems. But, but Jesus. We have Jesus. At Christmas, Jesus came. The Messiah was made flesh. He came as a baby, born of a Virgin Mary, in the most humblest of places. He lived a sinless life. He was crucified on a cross, and he rose again, conquering death once and for all. And he said over and over again, when he was alive, and we read it again and again and again in the scriptures, I am coming back. Hallelujah. Christmas is a time to remember he came and he is coming. We do have a hope and a future. The words of this beautiful carol, one of my favorites, are absolutely deep and mind-boggling. The fact that, I'll talk about that just now, but the fact that we can read these words Sing these words 
and learn so much about today and where we're at. And over the next few weeks, our series, we're going to be unpacking this carol and seeing, well, what has it got? Has it really got so much? It sounds cool. It's more on your knees. Really nice words. But we will be unpacking it. But today, so that's coming, hey? Watch this space. Today, what is it? What about today? I've mentioned Scrooge and I've mentioned O Holy Night. What's God want to say to us today? So please turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Peter, chapter 3. This is the, this, these are the letters of Peter. He's the Peter, the disciple, um, the disciple who betrayed Jesus, the disciple who was told, love my, do you love me? Do you love me? Yes, I love you three times to Jesus after he had been resurrected. This is the disciple after he was empowered by the Holy Spirit, came out of that building, declared the truth of the gospel and of the death of Jesus, and 3,000 were saved. This Peter writes a very straight letter. He pulls, he doesn't hide anything. He's very honest with us. And if you look at the top of chapter 3, 2 Peter, chapter 3, verse 1, he says, this is now the second letter that I'm writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder. I'm not trying to stir emotion. Yes, we must feel, but it's about your mind. God wants to change your mind, the way that you think about Christmas the way that you think about he came and he's coming again. He wants you to keep truth alive, godliness alive. Doesn't matter what the world's doing. That is our calling. Keep truth alive. Live up to his word. And he wants to remind us he's coming. Don't, don't give up. Drop down to verse 8 of this chapter. He says, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. You know, we all, we're so wrapped up with time. Logically, we're, we're ruled by time. But God, you know how we say, I, I've heard it, I say it. You know, God only came in the, what is it, the 11th, point, 11th hour or something. It's got no, nothing to, God's not interested in the timing. For him, he's, it's the event. He's interested not in how long it takes, which we get so intense about, but he's interested in what's happening and how's it changing your character. And he will do it to the, so that to maximize us, his children, growing in him. Verse 9, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed." Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, 
waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of the God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Then drop down to verse 17 and 18. You, therefore, you, Hope City Church, beloved, knowing this beforehand, he's coming. Take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. Lose your stability. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus, Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Stunning scripture, hey? So four major points that I would like to bring out today. First one, we cannot save ourselves. Glendon this morning spoke about he'll try and solve a thing. And you can't do it. You run out of yourself. Scrooge did not get up to Christmas Eve. He just was a, he, you know, who cares what I'm like? Who cares I'm so nasty and mean and don't care about anyone? Why is my employee not working on Christmas Day? Of course you've got to work on Christmas Day. He was mean. But he didn't get it. He needed a revelation. He needed to be shown, this is who you are, dude. And this is the consequence if you carry on like you are. He repented. He weeps. And the next day, he is a changed man. It's like the change, like the change that happens to us when we accept the Lord Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Scrooge could not see it. So I have to ask you, do you consider yourself a bad sinner? Yes, Laney. I'm a righteous person. Did you see I'm in church today? I belong to a life group. I don't do what she does. I don't do that, you know. I'm a really nice person. Oh, how can you say, Laney, I'm a horrible old sinner? We are mean grasping, scheming, covetous sinners. That's who we are without God. And we have to come to realize God doesn't look at all the stuff that we look at. I mean, I can remember people saying to me, oh, but Helene, how can you say this person's going to go to hell? Look what a nice old lady they are. They do all these things for the village and da-da-da-da. This is, somebody said this to me. God doesn't look at that. What does he look at? The heart. He sees you thinking, oh, I'm not as bad as that. I'm not as fat as that one. I'm fitter than that one. I'm more clever than that one. I'm this than that one. That's sin. We are critical of each other. It's our natural bent. And if, I, if no one does that, you're, is all I should say. We always find ourselves in somewhere, in the traffic. When you, get, when you get irate in the traffic because he took over you, you think you're better than him. Don't you? Yes. When, when somebody, you know, we're all very good at the four-way stops, and then somebody takes it, you know, goes on to the next one. Ha, what right has he got to do? 
because you think you're better than him and he shouldn't do that. You should be able to go. We all do it so easily. It's not hard. But God has given us the solution. Praise God. Praise God. He doesn't leave us like this. Motivated, we said it today through the singing, through what Glendon said, motivated by love. Think what he did. By love, because of love for you and me in our sinful state. He came as a helpless baby. Good grief, God Almighty came as a helpless baby. He lived a life that no one really noticed. You know, he impacted those disciples. But you think of the world, it was, and the scripture says, no one esteemed him. Nothing special about Jesus. He was a good man, you know. He died a really cruel death. Cruel. Why? Save you and me. Each one of us has to come to the realization, I need saving. And God's done it all. Done it all. I take a little, little tiny piece of my faith and I have faith in God's incredible faith and gift and I say, yes, Lord, I need saving. Please save me. And we are translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light like that. If you are born again today, you might be a grotty sinner like me, but God sees you totally and utterly righteous. Not with your own righteousness, with the righteousness of Christ. That is how he looks at you. That's why we go into the throne room, because he sees Christ's righteousness. He doesn't see my judging, critical heart. He sees Christ's righteousness and he says, Come, my precious daughter. I go from an object of wrath. If you are not born again, I'm very sorry to say, but you read it through Scripture. You are an object of God's wrath. And you heard what's going to happen one day. You will experience that wrath. No matter how good you think you are, we all need to be saved. I wanted to add in here, so Scrooge, the whole thing about, well, okay, I'm saved, sure, that's all right. Who cares about these thoughts? I'm going to heaven. I've got Christ's righteousness. As Paul says, why don't I just keep on sinning? Because the more I sin, the more the righteousness covers me. No. (laughs) We are saved and we are being saved. In the story of Scrooge, he miraculously changed 100% from Christmas Eve to Christmas Day. God can do that. But most of us, we have to work out our salvation, don't we? And as we walk this life of salvation, stuff that we thought was fine suddenly becomes not so fine. There's one of the really good guys who was, uh, he's a great theologian, and before he was saved, he, he lived with other men, he loved other men, and he had multiple partners. He became saved when he was at the university, and he thought, well, this is not good to have all these multiple partners. 
I will have only one man, and I will love that one man, and I'll be honorable to that man. As he grew with God and as God worked with him, he realized this is not okay. He, by his own confession, says, I am still attracted to men, but I will be celibate the rest of my life because I know it's not what God wants for me. And that's with all of us, with all the little areas of our, of our lives. He works on us. Thank the Lord. It's, we walk out the salvation. Please note, it is still by faith. Still by faith. You need faith to walk out the salvation. It's still by the word of God and what he says. And oh my goodness, Lord, you want me. This is the more you want of me. And thank God, the power of the Holy Spirit. And we walk out our salvation until we die or until he comes. Constant. That verse 18 of um, Peter said, grow, grow. Glennon spoke about growing today. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Are you growing? Do you want to grow? Thirdly, his purposes will prevail. I have to be honest, when I started investigating this oh holy night, I was pretty shocked. An atheist wrote it. A Jewish man did the music, and a universalist then translated it. Good grief. Okay, maybe we shouldn't be singing this song. Mm-mm, no good. Don't we do that? God can use anyone, anywhere, for his purposes. He is the all-knowing, all-seeing, all-powerful God. He used a Babylonian king to conquer his nation, Israel. A pagan. He used a Persian king to come and take his people and put them back after their exile in the nation of Israel and provided all the money and stuff that they needed. Don't tell me God can't use anyone. He does and he will. He is using Putin. He is using our political skillums. He will, his purposes will prevail. What he has said will happen. It will. We cannot, we see our little blinkered view. We cannot see what God is doing. But he's doing it. He has not forgotten the earth. He's at work every day, all day, and he wants to use you and me in his work. He also likes to draw people who feel, oh, I'm no one. You know, I can't do this. He chose Mary. Mary. Teenager. Wet behind the ears. Knows nothing. Little rural girl living in an obscure little village and says, I want you to bear my son. No matter how insignificant or non-special or ununique or ungifted or any of those adjectives you're putting on yourself, stop it. God, the almighty God, can and wants to desperately use you 
for his purposes. And you've got stuff only you can do. Don't compare. Look at him. Look at him. He wants us. He wants to use us. He could just do it. You know that. But God, in his wisdom, knows he's going to work out his purposes through us. And he does. I changed the title of this next one so often. I first wrote, our attitude should be one of hope and joy. And I thought, eee, that's, you can't see it. But I want to say, rather, our attitude can be one of hope and joy. That lasts beyond this Christmas, that lasts into 2023 and however long God has wanted for us. Verse 10 of our scripture says, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. It's going to be cataclysmic. He is coming. It will be unexpected. And you'll either receive it with absolute fear because you'll realize it's true. They were right, those Christians. The Bible is right. Or absolute joy. He's come. <laughs> At last, he's here. But Lainey, today, when I rejoice and hope when this world is in such crisis, when South Africa's in such crisis, when I'm in such crisis, how can I be joyful and hope today when the mood is always hurry up, do more, produce more, go, go, go? How can I be full of hope and joy when I'm stressed because of finances, because of family, because I've got too much to do or too little to do? How, how, how? How do I do it? He has come. He's here right now by his Holy Spirit wooing you, loving on you, telling you you are worthy, you are my child, I love you, I want you. Come to me, beloved. Come to me. I can make a difference in your life. That, and he's coming again, of course, that can give me joy and hope tomorrow and the next day and in the years to come. Only that. So what do we do? How do we respond to this? How do we respond this Christmas? Can I suggest take time to slow down? Even if it's half a day, I know people say, I'm working through. We still can find, we've got a long weekend. Christmas Day is six weeks today. Did you know it's on a Sunday? I had a look. It's on Sunday. Six weeks today is Christmas. <laughs> You've got a long weekend. Don't plan it to the hilt with parties and people. Spend some time to slow down. 
to contemplate Him. Just sit in His presence. You don't have to pray. Just let Him be your focus. Remember, consider the awesomeness of the incarnation. God became a baby because he loves you. Make room for him. Verse, eight, verse 9 of this, our, our text says, The Lord is not slow. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises. As some counts know slowness, but he's patient towards you. He's giving us more time to help our friends and our neighbors and anyone we meet come to know him. I had a chat with the petrol attendant today. He's giving us more time to grow in truth, in knowledge of him. He's giving us more time to work out his will in my world, to do his works, to be generous, to show kindness. He's giving us more time. Let's embrace it to the full. May I pray for us? Oh God, oh that holy night when you came into this world because you love us. There's no other reason because it was such a weird thing to do. But you did it because you love us in our sinfulness, in our state that we are. You love us. And you want to make a huge difference in our lives. You want to save us. You want to restore us. You want to take us on to greater and greater things, exploits in you. Holy God, I pray for everyone here. I, I, you know exactly where they are. You know exactly what they're thinking right now. And you want to be involved. You want to bring whatever it is they need right now. Lord, we humble ourselves before you. Say, yes, Lord, here's room. Here's room in my heart. Change me. Mold me. Do the work that you want to do in my life. And Lord, thank you that when I mess up, and I know we'd all do, I can repent, say, I'm sorry, Lord. Get up and be stable because of you. Be, have stability in my life because of you. Not tossed here and there, up some days, down some days, but stable, stability because of you. Lord, as we unpack this beautiful carol over the weeks to come, I pray for myself, I pray for each one of us that you will expose truth, more truth, 
in our hearts, that you will show us what you want to show us in this series. Thank you, Jesus.